How is everybody? All right. In Jesus' name, we are all okay. Thanks, God. He is so good to us. Now, <clears throat> actually, this morning, when, uh, when we arrived here with my family, in fact, my family is at the back. I have my wife there and my two children, the youngest and the eldest one. When, I, uh, when we arrived here, I was so reluctant of uh, going outside to uh, pick some other uh, brethren. Why? Because there is no gasoline in the car. <laughs> so I was so worried, but Brother Rod was telling me, uh, we just go. Just go. In fact, Brother Rod is praying. He was saying that God make it uh, uh, for us to, to reach the nearest gasoline station. And praise God. Our brethren uh, is here. Yeah. So they are coming from which one? Raslapan area. Raslapan area. Praise God that they are here with us to join in our worship today. <clears throat> now we are still discussing Trinity. And this is the month to discuss the very crucial doctrine uh, in Christianity. Why do I say that? It's because... <clears throat> The Trinity cannot be found in the Bible. You cannot find that one. Trinity. But then, there are Christians who believe in Trinity. And we are fortunate that we are one of them. Amen. That's why today, we will be discussing Trinity. But most of this topic will be dealing with Christ deity. And that means to say, we are acknowledging Christ as God. The most controversial issues in Christianity is, is about the deity of Christ. There are some other uh, Christian believers who do not believe that Jesus is God. So how is that? And that is exactly what we are going to study today. So join me. And praying to the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Our most gracious God and Heavenly Father, this morning we are coming before Thy presence to study again Thy Word, especially the deity of Christ. We come to You, O Father, to give us more a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. Open our hearts and minds to understand thy word. Anoint my mouth, O Lord, and use my mouth to speak thy word today. We also pray for our brethren who are not with us today, wherever they are, Lord. Keep them safe. We pray for our congregation to open their understanding, Lord, that they may understand thy words. Keep me behind the cross of Jesus so that Jesus only would be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so the title of our message for today is The Word Became Flesh. Let me try this one. This is working? No? It's there. It's there. Okay, it's working. It's working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? It's, yeah, this is missing. All right, oh, okay. All right. 
It's not moving back. All right, no problem. Now, <clears throat> so let's talk about the word became flesh. And uh, to deal with this matter, we have the power text which was read just a while ago. In Matthew 16, 13, I prefer to use ISB in reading that one. And our introduction is none other than the Trinity. So we will be discussing a little bit regarding the Trinity. And then we will be talking about the key points which, uh, divide, which I divided it by three. Who is Jesus, the deity of Jesus, and the objections. Because there are so many Christians who are actually objecting the deity of Christ. Now, let's proceed to the power text. The power text is found in Matthew 16, 13. It says, When Jesus had come to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? So as if He is asking His disciples, telling them, Who am I? Who these people say that I am? Because there are so many speculations about Jesus Christ. And therefore, Christ was asking his disciple, Who do mean people say that I am? Now, please proceed to the introduction about the Trinity. <clears throat> Why do we believe in Trinity? In fact, the Bible says, the very famous verse, In Torah is in Deuteronomy 6.4. This one has been read by Brother Craig the last Friday that uh, we met here. It says that, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So there is one God. There is one Lord. But how do we say Trinity. How do we say that there is Trinity? Well, in fact, the Bible is clear that there is only one Lord. But you see, one in Hebrew that was used in this text is the word Ikad. So what does Ikad mean? In Genesis 2.24, it says the same. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one, again, one, ikad, flesh. So the word one, translated from the Hebrew word, is ikad. It says ikad, one, flesh. But you can say that a couple, a married couple, is not actually one numeric number, isn't it? Because it is composed of two beings or two persons, I should say. But the Bible says they are one. Why? Because the word used here in Hebrew is ikad. Now, the most troubling word for the Jews in anti-Trinitarian is the word ikad, which means unified one. So there is a unity, but they are called one 
So that is the word ikad. That is used in reference to God. Ikad is used in reference to God being one, unified one. The word yaked, the main Hebrew word, which means solitary oneness, was never used in reference or to describe God. Yaked means absolute numeric one. So if there is only one that a Hebrew people would say, he would say yaked because there is only an absolute numeric one. That is Yaked, but there is no such reference in the Bible using the word yaked to refer or to describe to God. And the word that was used for one is the word ikad. And that is why we will be establishing our doctrines from this very passage of Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, <clears throat> last time, when Brother Craig uh, preached here, uh, Pastor Rocky actually augmented his preaching by giving some verse that somewhere, somehow, we people are also Trinity. What I should say, my apology to Pastor uh, Rocky, that we are not Trinity. How do we understood Trinity? When we talk about Trinity, there is a what we call three persons in one being. Three persons. When we talk of three persons, that means to say three distinct persons. Meaning to say, I is different from brotherhood and brotherhood is different from sisterhood. Sisterhood is different from the rest of us here. So, when in fact, in human being, as a human being, we have so many. But in the being of God, there are only three persons. That's the difference between the unity that we are talking and the word used by Pastor Roque that human is also Trinity. Why? He mentions in Thessalonians regarding... We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. But remember that the spirit or the soul cannot exist without the body. That is why we cannot consider human as a trinity. When we talk of trinity, they are three distinct persons, meaning to say they can live separate to each of them. But the spirit or the soul cannot live without the body. That is why I should say that a human cannot be Trinity. Alright, now. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Now, where is this doctrine of Trinity coming from? Most of the critics says that this trinity is actually an invention of Constantine. Who was Constantine then? Constantine, his name is Caesar Flavius Constantine. 
He made a decree on 325 AD and that is what we call the Nicene Creed. And what is that Nicene Creed all about? Because most of the Christians are talking about this Nicene Creed as an invention of Constantine to make this belief Trinity. But is it? Is it an invention of Constantine that the word or Trinity or the belief of the triune God, three being, I mean three persons in one being, is it an invention? Or we are forced to believe because that is the Bible teachings. In fact, during the 325 AD, when Constantine uh, called for the bishops of Rome to discuss regarding this issue, the duty of Christ. They were actually discussing the duty of Christ. So 300 of the bishops of Rome and deacons, they gathered, they gathered themselves to discuss this matter regarding the duty of Christ. They are not discussing the Trinity. They discuss about the deity of Christ. Was Christ divine or a pure human being like us? And that is the issue. That is why there is one Pope in fact, or I should say Bishop, in the name of Arios. Now, you know, this Saxony Jehovah or Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, their doctrine is coming from Arios. They called Arianism. They do not believe Christ as God. He is just a creation. Christ is just a creation and not God, according to them. So that is the belief of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Or in the, Philippi uh, in the Philippines, we call them Saxony Jehovah. So that teaching is coming from Arios. When in fact, during the Council of Nicaea on 325 AD, it was majority vote on the Pope and deacons that Christ is divine. And therefore, they established Christ as God, one of the persons of God. They did not discuss this Trinity. Trinity is later developed on the Second Council of Constantinople by 381 AD. There, they discuss about the Spirit, which is one of the persons of God. But 325, during this Nicene Creed, the issue that, that they discuss is regarding the duty of Christ. So, when you heard about this one, now, there are so many other Christians, like for example, these Jehovah's Witnesses, they do not believe Christ is God. Iglesia ni Cristo. They do not believe that Christ is God. Now, these are actually coming from uh, uh, these factions when the, uh, when, when the Nicene uh, Council of Nicaea done or happened, this comes out. Now, they exiled Arios somewhere uh, far from, uh, I don't know to where, uh, which the place was, they exiled Arios and they branded him as heresy or heretics. Why? Because his teaching is not in accordance with the Bible. When in fact, the, the bishops and the deacons are uh, uh, unanimous, or I would say majority, believe that Christ is divine. So that is the issue in the Council of Nicaea on 325 AD. Now, <clears throat> let's proceed now to our key point number one. <clears throat> 
So who is Jesus? This has been discussed long back in the ancient world. They are asking, who is Jesus? Because, as I tell you, there are some other beliefs regarding the so-called modalism. We are believing in Trinitarianism, but there are Christians who believe in the so-called modalism. What does it mean? That God shows himself in different modes. How? How does it happen? And this belief is what we call oneness. I do not know if you heard that one. Now, there are some other Christians that they believe in oneness, meaning to say that the Father is the same as the Son. The, father, uh, the Son is the Father himself. That is what we call modalism. Uh, it's just simply like, if I am the Father of my, fa- of my own family, and I am also the President of the Philippines, for example, so I could be represented as a President, at the same time, the same time, a father. At the same time, I could represent as a son of my own mother. So the son, the father, and the president is talking about only one person. And this is what we call oneness. I do not know which belief you are falling into, but this is exactly the case of other Christians' belief. Now, there is oneness, There is Trinitarian. And there is another one, which I said, in Iglesia and Christ or the Church of Christ, they do not believe Christ as God. <clears throat> so there is no deity in Christ according to them. Now, let's go to key point number one. Who is Jesus? The Bible says, and she, Mary, Matthew 2.21, and she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In Mark 2.5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, he said unto the sake of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. This Jesus Christ that we are talking about is the son of Mary, but at the same time, This Jesus is forgiving sins. He has the power to forgive sins. But others says he's only a man. Mark 2.7 Why that this man does speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God only? So this is now the issue. Christ is forgiving sin to somebody who, has, who is sick with palsy. And therefore, the scribe and Pharisees, they are talking each other, and they said, why that this man does speak blasphemy? Who can forgive God? I mean, who can forgive sins but God only? They understood that God only can forgive sins. But Christ himself forgave the sins of the palsy. Mark 4, 39, 40. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Even the laws of nature 
obeys Christ. But people would not recognize Christ as one of the person of God. But you see, the Bible has, has plenty of reference concerning the deity of Christ. But there are some Christians still who do not accept Christ as one of the person of God. So, who is Jesus really? In Mark 4.41, And they heard exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind in the sea obey him? So, when his disciples were there, they witnessed that Christ comes the wind and the sea, This, his disciples was talking to each other. What manner of man is this? That even the wind in the sea obey him. In John 11.43-44, And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with great clothes, And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Lose him and let him go. This Jesus, who was claimed by other Christian uh, denomination, could even raise dead into life again. So how is this Jesus becomes only a man? In John 4, I mean John 11:45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Welcome for our arriving pastor. It's okay. <laughs> so it's that even the Jews Who came with uh, who came with Mary when they went to the sepulcher? They witnessed Lazarus that Lazarus rise from the dead. So this is now the question of all generation: Who is Jesus then? If he is just a sim, uh, sin, uh, I could I should say simple man, why he can make the dead alive again? Why even the laws of nature obeys him? Why he can forgive sins? But who is Jesus then? Some other people would say that this man has a devil. In fact, in the records of John, if you would read John, you would find out that he was actually talking to the Pharisees and the Pharisees won't believe him. But Jesus told them, You will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am He. Key point number two. Let's talk about now the duty of Christ. Does the Bible teach regarding the duty of Christ? In fact, both the Old Testament and the New Testament has plenty of reference regarding the duty of Christ. In Isaiah 7:14 it says, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Watch, 
the virgin, the virgin is conceiving a child and will give birth to a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel. Isaiah 9.6 For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this prophecy concerning Christ, He is called by Isaiah as Mighty God. Now, when Isaiah was talking about some uh, that there is one virgin who will conceive a son, that was fulfilled actually in Matthew 1, 23-24. See, a virgin became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is exactly the prophecy of Isaiah which was fulfilled in Jesus. The same talking about the son who is giving to, uh, who is giving, I mean the son who will be uh, given birth by a virgin. In 24, when Joseph got up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Now, at the time, Joseph and Mary were only betrothed. They were not actually a married couple, but Joseph found Mary pregnant. But the angel told Joseph that this Mary, the child in her womb, is of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it says that when Joseph got up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. John 1, 1, 3. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> I'm reading uh, ISB. It says, In the beginning, the word existed. Now, the most famous one is coming from King James Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In ISB, it says differently, but it has, it has of the same essence. It says, in the beginning, the Word existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, here, the emphasis of ISB is that Christ existed eternally, or in eternity. That means to say, He is not just a mere creation according to some other Christian beliefs. Why? Because Christ existed before anything else. In fact, Verse says, He existed in the beginning with God. God. Verse 3, Through Him, all things were made. And apart from Him, nothing was made that has been made. And that is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. So, it talks about the origin of Christ, which is from eternity. He existed before anything was made. 
In fact, He is the one who created. He is the one created everything in this world that we see because He existed from the very beginning. Colossus 1.16 For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. So the Creator is none other than Christ Himself. Paul is talking about that Christ is the Creator. John is talking about that Christ is the Creator. And therefore, we could say that if God is the Creator, the God that, was the, that the Bible is talking about is none other than Christ. But, of course, the Father and the Holy Spirit were present during the time of creation. Now, in John 20:28, even the disciples of Christ recognized Him as God. It says, And Thomas answered and said unto Him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Now you see, some other denomination or some other Christian beliefs, they said that, sa Tagalog, nabigla lang ika si Tomas. And that is part of their teachings. Nabigla lang ika si Tomas. He was just shocked when he said, My Lord and my God. But, is it really true? Nanabigla lang si Tomas. In fact, the Bible was saying that you have seen me, that's why you believe in me. Nakita mo ko, kaya ka na nampalataya. Hindi sinabi ng Panginoon, nabigla ka, kaya ka na nampalataya. But other Christian believers, they said that, nabigla lang yan eh. He was just actually shocked. That's why he said that, my Lord and my God. But anyway, granting na tama sila. Sinabi ba ng Panginoon na hindi nga ako Diyos? Kasi kung hindi totoo na Diyos si Kristo, Christ Himself, sasabihin niya sa taong ito. He would say to Thomas, no, I'm not God. But in fact, Christ was silent. He accepted the recognition of Thomas. Is that correct? Amen. The Bible said so. Now, in 1 John 5.20, even John, <clears throat> and we know that the Son of God is come. And hath given us an understanding that we may know Him. That is true. And we are in Him. That is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. So, I do not, I cannot think of, uh, I, how do I say? Hindi ko lubos maisip, why other Christian believers could not recognize Christ as God. There are plenty of evidence in the Bible referring to Jesus Christ as God. But you cannot even read one from the Bible that says that Christ is not God. You cannot read that. 
You can find that Christ is a man. But you can find him also that the Bible says that Jesus is light. You can find also that Jesus is the door. So there are so many things that uh, that exp- uh, how do I say describes Jesus but you cannot read one text in the Bible that says that Jesus is not God. Not even a thought. Wala kang mababasa kahit man lang sinasabi natin na kaisipan or just something like a thought that would say that Christ is not God. But why other what why other this Christians believer cannot comprehend or do not believe that Christ is God when in fact there are plenty there are plenty of uh, verses in the Bible that proves that Christ is God. Let me just go through this one. <clears throat> the Bible says, John 1:10 to 11. It says that he was in the world. He meaning Jesus. In the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And that's the problem. Why? Because when Jesus, the Creator, came to this earth, he was not recognized by his own people. He was not recognized by the world. The Bible speaks of him being the Creator in Colossians 1:15 to 18. As we have read, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. We have just read this one. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now, Being a creator, there is no other creator rather other than God himself. That's why when we talk about God, it talks about the being. But when we talk about persons, there are three persons in one being. I think that is clear enough to comprehend who Jesus is. His disciples recognize him being God also, as we have just mentioned. Thomas, <clears throat> John, he says, and John, First uh, John five twenty, Paul himself is speak of Christ in Titus two, eleven to thirteen, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness. And worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Verse 13, it says, Looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ. All of these verses talks about 
the duty of Christ. So I could not imagine why people or some other denomination cannot believe that Jesus is God. Now in John 8:53 to 58 it says, "Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself?" This is exactly the same question that we are talking about. People in Jesus' days, his, his contemporaries, were asking him as to whether who he was or who he is. He said, they said, Whom makest do thyself? Jesus answered, 8.54 to 55, Jesus answered, John, I'm talking about John, 8.54 to 55, Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom you say that He is your God. Yet ye have not known Him, but I know Him. And if I should say I know Him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know Him, and keep His saying. Your father Abraham, in verse 56 to 57, it says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? In our own language, wala ka pang ang singkwintang taon, paano mong nakita si Abraham? How? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And that is the response of Christ. Before Abraham was, I am. That means to say, Christ existed in eternally past. He is the creator. In fact, Abraham saw his day. That's why Christ was saying to his people that before Abraham was, I am. The word I am that was used here is exactly the I am that sent Moses to Egypt to get his people out from Egypt. Remember that Moses was asking this God? If, would people, if your people would ask me, who are you? Then what is the answer of the Lord? He said, I am that I am. You tell to these people that it is I am who sent you. And this is exactly the same word that was used by Jesus Christ when he was confronted by these Pharisees. Uh, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And he said unto them, Ye are from the net, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. John 8.24 I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? <clears throat> and Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. But even during his time, people do not recognize Christ as God. Now, what is exactly 
the Father talks about Jesus. How does the Father uh, speaks about Jesus? In Hebrews 1, verses 3 to 8, it says, Who being the brightness of His glory, and the express image of His person, in upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And again, when He bring it in the first begotten into the world, He said, And let all the angels of God worship Him. Verse 8, But unto the Son, He said, Unto the Son, He said, Who is this He? It's the Father. But unto the Son, He said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Verse 9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So, it says in verse 10, And thou, Lord, In the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hand. This is the author of Hebrews referring to the Father, claiming that Jesus, his son, is God himself. Thy throne, O God. The Father says. Now, key points number three. Let's proceed to the objections. There are so many objections. But I would talk about three objections. Number one, if Jesus is God, on his crucifixion, he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is found on Matthew 27, 46. <clears throat> so if Jesus is God, why is he crying to God himself about forsaking him? Now, <clears throat> I would say that, Jesus, as a perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world, took a human flesh to meet God's requirements. For God demands sacrifice for the atonement of sins. In Christ's sacrifice has been foreshadowed by animal sacrifices in the ancient world. But the real fulfillment is on Christ. Imagine if God had come down to, have, uh, had come down to earth in His glorious majesty, taking himself as a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the world. It could not be possible. Why? Because God cannot die. How can someone who is God, who is a spirit, be crucified on the cross? It cannot be possible. That's why Christ took the human flesh. Sa Tagalog, nagkatawang tao. Kasi hindi mo pwedeng maipako ang Espiritu. How could you do that? So imagine if God come down to earth with all His glorious majesty, taking him Himself as a sacrifice. It cannot be possible. That is why the wise God planned Christ to, talk, uh, to take human flesh for a sacrifice to atone the sins of the world. And therefore God through Christ took a human flesh, become the sacrifice to meet God's own requirement. But Paul says in Philippians 2.5-11, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, 
taught it not robbery to be equal with God. So, what does exactly Paul explaining to? He was actually saying that Christ is actually equal with God. But he did not taught it. He did not think of becoming a God in himself. He do not want to be equal with God. Why? Because he is the representative of God to atone for the sins of the world. Now, it says that, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in passion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is Philippians 2, 7, 8. But verse 10 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And this is Paul saying that Christ actually is equal with God, but what he did was he humbled himself, taking the form of a man and joined to the people as a servant. He did not uh, take the advantage of making equal with God. Why? Because it is the plan of God to save the mankind through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Therefore, Jesus being God took the human flesh to become, uh, to become the perfect sacrifice that is a realization of God's plan for the redemption of humankind. In Hebrews 10, 1 to 4, it says, Animal sacrifices were only type or shadows of the reality in the fulfillment is in Christ. Verse 5, Hebrews 10, 5, For this reason, the scripture says, When the Messiah was about to come into the world, you did not want sacrifices and offerings, but you prepared a body for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have you never took delight. So, when Christ came to earth, it was the plan of God. It says you did not want sacrifices because at the time in the ancient world, they actually sacrificing animals to atone the sins of the world. But here, it says that you did not want sacrifices and offerings, but you prepared a body for me. That is the plan of God. God has prepared a body for Christ to be the sacrificial <coughs> offerings for our sins. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, in verse 7, Hebrews 10, 7, Then I said, See, I have come to do your will, O God. In the volume of the scroll, this is written about me. In this passage, he says, You never wanted or took delight in sacrifices offerings, burnt offerings, and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. Verse 9, then he says, See, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By God's will, 
we have been sanctified once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. So that is regarding the objection that Christ is not God because he cried on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But that objection cannot be stand on the clarity of the words of the Bible because it refers to the suffering of his flesh in human form. Number two. Objection number two. Matthew 24:36. No one knows when that day or hour will come. Not the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but the Father. Oo nga naman. How does it come that Jesus is God when He do not know even the hour of His coming? How? But I would say that this would mean three things. Number one, considering its context, Jesus gives full warning to the human race about what is going to happen in the future. And people need to look at on that warning signs that a massive destruction is awaiting to those who do not believe. Number two, that the day and the hour was beyond human control for it is not intended by the Father to reveal anyone to anyone of His plan. Not even to the angels, the heavenly beings. It was not intention of the Father to, uh, to reveal it to them. For whatever reasons the Father would not reveal to the angels about the second coming of Christ is His own prerogatives. Not even to the Son. This statement of Jesus does not discount His deity, but rather a recognition of the Son that it is in the hands of the Father the day in the hour of His coming. So Christ recognizes, recognizing His Father that everything is on the hands of the Father. And Christ will only obey what Father tells Him to do. And that is exactly what He said during the time of His discourse with the Pharisees. I am only doing what the Father has told me to do. In John 3.16 it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His unique existing Son, so that everyone who believes in Him would not be lost, but have eternal life. Giving His Son was in the perfect plan of God's salvation. It was in due time that Christ was born in the flesh. Galatians 4.4 says, But when the appropriate time had come, God sent His Son, born by a woman, born under the law. So this would suggest that the Father has His own timeline of His plan, that even Christ subject to His Father's will. And that is how we could see the allegations that if Christ is God, why is it that He do not know His hour when He comes for the second time? Matthew 24, 37, 39 Clarify all of this. It says, 37, it says because just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. In those days, before the flood, people were eating and drinking, 
marrying and giving in marriage right up to the day when the Noah went into the ark. They were unaware of what was happening until the flood came and swept all of them away. That's how it will be when the Son of Man comes. You see, Christ clarifies that His coming would exactly be the same as with Noah. At that time, people were drinking, marrying, giving into marriage. That time, the flood came when they do not know and they were swept, all of them, away. And that is exactly what Christ was telling that only the Father knows the time. Not even to the angels. It was not revealed to the angels. Not even to the Son. But that statement does not disqualify Christ deity. Number three. There is only one true God. John 17.3 Now, Iglesia Christ or the Church of Christ is capitalizing on this. It says, Jesus prayed to the Father saying, And this is eternal life. To know you, the only true God and the one whom you sent, Jesus the Messiah. So, in this verse, it says that there is only one true God. And we believe on that, that there is only one true God in His being. John was saying that there is only one true in contrast to the false gods. Because there are people who claim to be God. But they are false. Because John was telling that there is only one true God. But that only one true God, according as what we had read, it says that, That one true God, the word used in Hebrew is Ikad and not Yakid. That is exactly the same meaning of a couple who are being, being married. They are one plus. It talks about Ikad, one, unity. Now, this verse talks about eternal life, which is knowing the Father, only true God. The only true God in contrast to the other gods. For there are many gods knowing the Father, the only true God, and that is eternal life. The verse doesn't even talk about Jesus not being God. Again, carefully examine the verse. The verse does not talk about that Jesus is not God. He was praying to the true God, the only true God, in contrast to the false gods. In verses 5 to 6, it says, So now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. So Christ is saying that He existed from eternity with the Father. And that is why Christ was saying, So now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have made your name known to these men whom you gave me from the world. They were yours And you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So Christ existed with the Father in eternity. In fact, Christ was glorious in his existence in the past. But what Paul was saying, he took the human flesh. He did not think equally with God. Because that is the plan of God. The prayer of Jesus 
is to make people know the Father, but knowing the Father is through Him alone. Why? Because Matthew 27 to 28, it says, uh, 27 and Luke 10, 22, All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son. And the person to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So how do we conclude about the whole matter? We see this Christ. It says by some other Christian believers that Christ is just purely human. He's not God. It says some other professions of Christian, I mean Christian beliefs, they said that Christ and the Father are the same. That the Father is the same Son. That is what we call oneness. That is the modalism. God presents himself in some other forms or moods. Sometimes he was the Father, sometimes he was the Son, and sometimes he was the Spirit. But that is not what the Bible says. Because Christ himself was saying that the Father is greater than me. In conclusions, Matthew 16, 15. And John 8, 24. It says, Matthew 16, 15. He asked them, But who you say? I am. This question is the same as uh, the same question that was asking his disciples. Before, in verse 13, as we said, uh, we have read, Jesus was asking his disciples, Who do men say that I am? This time, it is now Jesus asking his own disciples, But who do you say I am? Now, this question now is a question to each one of us. Who do you think Jesus is? John 8:24 I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins for if you believe not that I am he ye shall die in your sins this is my prayer amen, amen.